Thought Bubble Audio. elongated uh holiday hiatus uh, i hope everybody had a lovely new year's uh Tookie, how did you how did you have a nice long like holiday vacation i i worked through the holidays no such thing as holiday when you're a comic right no not so much but it was a good time it was well worth it i was comic in residence at the comedy studio for the month of december so uh, I did. Christmas happened to fall on a Tuesday, and so did New Year's. Uh, so I had those days off because religion and Massachusetts. Uh, <laughs> One of the few advantages of living in a Puritan state, right? Right, right, right. Uh, but no, worked right through up until New Year's Eve and uh, closed out the year in the most obscenely sparkly dress. And then uh, it was it was a problem. It's on Instagram. Uh, and then. <laughs> I continued doing shows because I'm crazy and I just came back from vacation from it all. You got to make that money. You got to pay for yeah. that vacation somehow. Use that comedy money. I guess. <laughs> well, I got to pay taxes on it too, which is a whole other. Uh. God, brutal. Being an adult, <laughs> it's the friggin' worst. Uh, that's yeah. So we, uh, we had a nice long couple of weeks off there. Um, we're back now. We are getting so excited. The show is coming out in just about a month. We have a release date guys. We also have screeners. You know what that means? We're going to start dropping episodes as soon as they are released on Hulu. You can come right here. And as soon as that episode is on Hulu, we will also have an episode out. That said, we're not going to watch it. We have so much content. We are not going to watch the screeners until we are ready to record to record those episodes though because i don't want to have any like bias sneaking in so we are going to keep it no spoilers no accidental spoilers this is going to be pure um we still have we're going to start doing weekly episodes now until the show starts so uh we're going to be talking about what we hope we're seeing all the fun themes from the book and um some awesome ad bryant stuff so that actually brings us integrity 2019 (laughs) we are true journalists no we're not (laughs) We're two dummies <laughs> with a microphone. Um, I am so excited. We are here with our good friend, Ama Marfo, who Tookie and I have been obsessed with from the old internets for a long time. We fell in love via Twitter, uh, and it was a beautiful thing. So, Ama, thank you so much for being with us today. Do you want to give a little uh, a little intro to what you're all about? Sure thing. Thank you, ladies, for having me. Uh, it is always nice when you can turn a Twitter romance into something more. So happy to do this with you all. Always, I a have pleasure. the creepiest grin right now. <laughs> We're both like, welcome to our show. <laughs> I can feel the love all the way over here. Uh, so what do I do? I do a lot of different things, but I'll say the most relevant for the purposes of our conversation today. Um, I am a kids television enthusiast, kind of a television enthusiast overall. I'm also a writer for The Interrobang, which is a comedy criticism website. So I get to watch a lot of comedy, listen to a lot of comedy, live in the world of comedy for part of my job. That's awesome. And you want to give a quick shout out to where people can find you on the internet? Sure thing. So I am on Twitter, at Amamarfo, same handle on Instagram. 
my personal website is amamarfo.com and you can find my comedy writing at the interrobang as in the question mark exclamation point punctuation mark theinterrobang.com. Awesome. So we are here today to talk a little bit about an awesome show that Amma brought to our attention called Danger and Eggs starring A.D. Bryant. I managed to find this show, uh, which is called Danger and Eggs. It's an Amazon original over winter break. And that was because if you were trying to watch Amazon overseas, it says, here are some things you might enjoy. And surprise, it's all Amazon originals. So... <laughs> A lot of them are really serious because they do a lot of dramas. And I was just looking for something fun. And it's bright colors. It's funny. It's jokes. So I was like, let's see if I like this. And I loved it. So now I want to tell everybody about it. It is so fun. And I'm going to be honest with you. Amma was like, I love this show. It's A.D. Bryant. It's awesome. I had I did zero research when I went into this show. It was I think it was a Thursday night last week. I was like cuddled up with my my slippies on. I was like my PJs ready to go. And I was like, I was like 10 minutes into it. And I was like, this is not like a family guy situation. This is just genuine, good, clean fun. And I loved it. I was like, this is so joyful and beautiful. And um, and I just yeah, from the from the first episode, I was like, I was very, very into it. Tookie, did you have any first reactions when you started watching the show? There's an episode called Raccoons. <laughs> I just, I have an affinity for raccoons. I've been trying to domesticate one for about two years now. Not, uh, not, what, okay, not. You think you're just going to like, we're going to move past that one real quick. That's not how this works. Oh, it's a, okay. Well, the pot, the, the, our listeners can't see, but <sighs> okay. I, I, I love raccoons. I love them. They're adorable. Uh, and I am trying to get one to live with me, but my boyfriend is averse to that idea because um, they can do this, which our part our podcast listeners can't see, but they can do this this right here, this little creepy thing little, with their the fingers. Finger rub- they can rub their two their little fingies together. Do yeah, they have little, fingers? They have little bandit hands. It's great. I'm gonna have so, to Google that later. We'll post something so on I'm, Instagram. I'm gonna have to side with him in the sense that my sister has a cat that she's uh she and her roommates are watching while its owner is being an au pair overseas and the cat has thumbs and it creeps me out because i was like once a cat has thumbs it's gonna start opening doors and once it starts opening (laughs) doors it's unstoppable so i can understand being frightened by an animal with too much dexterity because then what happens you've lost all control in the situation (laughs) I, I'm just saying. I, I also am team no raccoon. Well, I, but they're cute though. I get it. Anyway, so yeah. you were you were drawn to the raccoon storyline. Very uh, much. So. <laughs> um. So, what did you think of just sort of the like the what? Which episode did you watch first? Do you remember? Raccoons. Uh, straight <laughs> up. Straight up. As soon as I saw that on the episode listing, I was like raccoons. Uh, and then I went back and watched the Renaissance Fair episode because uh, I find myself deeply triggered by Ren Fairs. And I said, what better way to Maury Povich style face my fears than to go straight in with this episode? And I didn't hate it. Um, and I like the com yeah, I like the commentary about society that it that it had made. Yeah. So Ama, you called that one out as one of your favorite episodes. Do you want to like tell us a little bit why about that why that one is one that you were really drawn to? 
So I picked it out, and I, it's actually one of the ones I watched last, because for some reason I couldn't download it when I was gone, but I got back, and I was like, oh, I didn't run the clock out. I still have more episodes. So it was one of the last ones I watched. But it's a really interesting way of subverting gender roles. Mm-hmm. And the premise for those who either haven't watched it yet and want to know what the type of thing we're talking about is, or don't plan on watching it, but don't want to be lost for the next however long we're talking. <laughs> um, so Dee Dee, who is A.D. Bryant's character, and Philip, her friend, who is an egg, end up getting involved in a Renaissance festival. Oh, we and, have to explain to the listeners that he's a literal egg. Yes, no, he is a literal egg, but he's a large egg. So he's more on par with the size of humans. And his mother is a massive chicken yes. that just lives in the middle of this park. So most of their adventures take place in and around the park. And this Renaissance festival is happening near there. So when they go to be a part of the festival, uh, Dee becomes friends with this girl named Reina, who's one of the actors in like the big theatrical show that the Renaissance Festival does. And the show essentially follows the route of her being the maiden that needs to be rescued by the knight. And Dee Dee's whole thing is like, the story doesn't make any sense. She can do whatever she wants. So every time he tries to act out the story, they'll go up to the, to the tower where she's supposed to be held, and she's not captive. She's hanging out with Dee Dee, making costumes or flower crowns, or she's left because she didn't need to wait for somebody to rescue her. So there's a really interesting back and forth about how, how those stories should play out. Is it okay to be able to kind of subvert that and say this story can look different? Does it need to honor the way that the Renaissance would have done it? And I think it asks a lot of cool questions. And like Marissa said, it's a kid's show. So asking those questions in a way that's really upfront and unequivocal about the fact that we should be asking questions is really, really cool to me. I was I loved one part of the episode towards the end where they were basically saying the message of, you know, to the to the boy who was like, this is my tradition. This is what my family has always done. Somebody said, well, just because that's how it was always done for you doesn't mean it was good for everybody else, too. And it wasn't basically using kids speak for like, it's not inclusive. And like, this is terrible for women. And like, minorities are not even included in this world. Like this is uh, I thought it was a really like gentle way of saying that and that's what's really cool about the show generally is they tackle these really big themes and we can talk about a couple more of them as we move through some of the episodes that we watched but to be able to take that really interesting like modern sort of mentality and drill it down to something that is so innocent and pure I was like oh my god I need to make like my racist like acquaintances watch this and like my non-inclusive family members watch this because it's like this is so dumbed down and simple for you. And it goes down easy because it's a cartoon. So people don't expect it to teach them stuff. And then they're like, wait a minute. She tricked us into learning shit, which exactly. I love. <laughs> yep. So annoying. I think that's what of... kids TV is. It's tricking kids into learning <laughs> shit. It's cool, though, because I don't know. And granted, I haven't watched a lot of kids television recently because I am. I have been. I don't have children or I am not a child and now I'm feeling like I need to spend more time watching children's television, but I haven't in a while. And so I feel like I wasn't anticipating that level of thoughtfulness because I guess when I was last time I was watching kids TV, I wasn't intaking how, I don't know, were, were, were kids shows always this woke or is this like a new, is this a new wave? Cause this is really, it was just cool to see. It, it, 
you know what? There were some shows that I can think of that were pretty woke back in the day, but it wasn't spoon fed to us mm-hmm. the way it is now. So like I, I, in particular, I think about Susie Carmichael's debut on the Rugrats, right? And uh, when Stu and Dee Dee go over to visit the Carmichael's household, the mom mistakes them for the help. And I'm like, oh, I love this reversal of roles. <laughs> I don't think I saw that. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. So we were we were really big Susie Carmichael fans in my house. Like my mom, every now and again, will still talk about how much she loves Susie Carmichael as a character. Mm-hmm. And one of my most popular tweets, like, did obscene numbers, and I just don't know how that happened, <laughs> was about the fact, like, someone had said something about how often uh, the kids got lost, and I was like, I want it on record that those kids didn't even leave the house when they were at the Carmichaels. And they got into all this shit when the white parents were watching them. And wouldn't you know it, that did so well on Twitter. <laughs> but I was like, just so we're clear, it was never the black parents' fault. It's it was a perfect combination. The white parents' fault. That, that tweet is a perfect joke of like a perfect combination of cultural awareness with uh, nostalgia, which just nails it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought one they of the do other- love those things there. They do, yeah. No- like nostalgia. That's people love that shit. Um, so one of the episodes that I thought was really interesting was the way they handled. I can't remember which which the name of it was, but the premise was it started essentially at Pride at the chosen yes. family. Yeah, like oh, chosen family. Thank you. And I thought it was so interesting how they didn't talk about that. Wasn't the point of the story. It wasn't the point. Wasn't like being gay is okay it was just like no we're just nor we're just at pride because that's just like a normal part of people's lives and that was just the backdrop of the story i thought that was the way they did that was so like sort of subtle and really interesting and cool i thought that episode was beautiful i love how the corporate dude came in i'm a two dads just like (laughs) yeah all right cool i got two dads yeah whatever like it's a totally normal nuclear family structure Yeah, it was just this incredibly, like in the same way that the park is a setting or the Renaissance Festival is a setting. Pride was just the setting. It was a thing Mm -hmm. that happened. They loved it. They wanted to be a part of it. Everybody around them pretty much wanted to be a part of it. And they found a way to address those who maybe didn't want to. Not in the same way that we would expect that opposition to come up, but it was able to address the fact that some people might not want to be a part of that. And they found a way to kind of resolve that storyline and talk about it in a way that made sense, but wasn't too complicated or overwhelming. And it just, it reminded me of all those questions that come up. It's like, well, what am I supposed to tell my kid? Tell them whatever you want, but chances (laughs) are they're going to get it. If you put it in the right way. And if you come at it from a place of compassion, they're going to get it. And that's what this episode was. I think that that theme is sort of what makes me so hopeful and what why I was drawn to this show is because it's all about sort of if you explain these things in a really simple way, kids are going to get it because kids are just like naturally good. And maybe that's naive. But I think that when you're a kid, you are so much more accepting. We learn to be biased. We learn to discriminate. You know, you're not born that way. And so if there's more and more shows that make these things just really <clears throat> not even just fact, then Hopefully, I don't know, hopefully the next round of kids that come up are going to be less shitty than we all are. I'm hopeful for Gen Z. I don't like anybody born after 2000, but I'm hopeful. <laughs> They're weird, but I'm hopeful. All those those kids with their fidget spinners and their uh, <laughs> their their fancy green juices. 
so Amma, you brought up a really good point when we were chatting earlier about how this character could have really easily just been a boy. Uh, can you tell me more about sort of what, what had you, what you were thinking around that? So the premise of the show essentially revolves around a girl named Dee Dee Danger. She is, I don't know, we'll say 10 or 11. And her dad was a stuntman in the vein of like an evil Knievel. And that goes back all the way back in her family. So she's like a budding stunt person. And I think that being a little bit less thoughtful about it or going with the easiest way to do it, it could have been a little boy and an egg that were running around a park building stunts and trying to figure out how best to do something dangerous, but do it in a way where they wouldn't get hurt and build the confidence to try those things out, even if they were a little bit afraid, but they didn't, they went with letting a girl do it. And the really, the only time they talk about that is in an episode called pennies when um, Philip empties all the pennies out of the fountain in the park and donates them to mobility research for cats. Which was just a really fun little scene to see like 30 cats with wheelchairs. I was like, that's adorable. Or with the little wheelies for their butts. So and cute. then they were like, should we give the money back? And they're like, fine, we'll take the wheels off. And then these cats just roll over. And they're like, you know what? That's fine. Let us keep the wheels. <laughs> um, but essentially the premise behind that is everybody in the park is upset that the pennies are gone because it means that everything they wished on won't come true. So Philip and Dee Dee then write a song about confirmation bias, which is maybe my favorite thing in the whole series is that they don't try to dumb down the concept. They're like, no, this is confirmation bias. And this is how we're going to explain it. I did really like that felt like it was a little bit of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge for the adults that were watching. But it also sort of speaks to what we were saying earlier that like, if you explain things relatively straightforward, kids will get it. Yeah, like there's a rhyme that goes with it. It's a fairly straightforward concept. But at one point in that song or conversation, Dee Dee says, whether you're thinking about the job that you got or the fact that girls can't do anything boys can do. And it's that's the only time they ever talk about it. And I think it's just it's a nice nod to the fact that, like, it doesn't need to be complicated. You don't have to overthink it. It's just any like it's the same across the board and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I feel like a lot, a lot was really well done on this show. And it doesn't feel like it's completely dumbed down because I, as a 30-year-old adult person, was still engaged watching these episodes. Oh, God, does that say something about my IQ? But (laughs) I was still deeply engaged watching this episode and just, like, really appreciative of the approach that they took with the writing and who these characters are and is wait a minute do they ever actually go over philip's gender or is it just assumed that he's a dude oh that's he's a good egg? question i because he's an egg i don't know if they ever talk about gender ama did you notice so they don't talk about gender but philip presents as male as much as an egg really can yeah and other and other characters refer to him as he and True. i think if it was supposed to be different they would specify because there's a character later that comes up that's one of their friends who is explicitly they right and they're very they're very pointed about making sure that you know that that person is opting to be identified as non-gendered so mm. i think that if that was a decision they wanted to make with philip they could have um and then when they go to Philip Kahn, which is a different episode, it's a yeah. convention for Phillips um, <laughs> created by a Philip Phillips, but not the one that sings the song home that was in that Olympics <laughs> the whole time. So it's a different Philip Phillips, but that, that Philip Kahn has male and female Phillips. Mm. Okay. 
Yeah. I just didn't want to presume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, and it's a fair question. They don't ever explicitly specify, but I think yeah. if they, if they had wanted him to be otherwise, this doesn't seem like where they would have been shy about doing that. So it's, it's so interesting. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to zoom out for a second and bring it back to sort of the shrill universe and, and A.D. Bryant and all this. I, I think it's interesting watching A.D. AD Bryant's career and how she is so decisive about the things that she works on. And there have been so few things that didn't come with a message. And we'll talk about some more of these, some more of her recent work over the next couple of, of weeks as we get closer to the launch of the show. But, uh, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting that she chose to take her time and work on this. Um, I don't know if she was producing this or not. I think she just was a, just in it. Um, but I thought it was just a really interesting choice and it sort of aligns with how she seems to really care about doing her outside of SNL work should have some sort of a a meaning to it or, or an importance. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, oh damn, I had a good point. Sorry. It's gone now forever. You only get one a day. That's it. Oh, Oh, brain fart city. (laughs) I'm Uh, still very much vacation brain. Uh, But yeah, I think it's, it's just, it's cool to see her build a career off of really specific choices and, um, and really interesting, interesting entertainment. Oh, that's what I wanted to make a point about. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. (laughs) Spending time with a, like three middle-aged women named Karen on a tequila tour does things to you. <laughs> oh, Karens! Yeah, oh, three of them. That's so. That's so many. Karen Too number many. three murdered her husband, by the way. So <laughs> we're just going to casually roll over that. Um, so yeah, I just really appreciate the fact that A.D. Bryant is out here doing the Lord's work because uh, you know she's she's not only taking on this character of Annie based on shrill uh, and and lindy west's memoir um but also aligning herself with a show that is dedicated to educating uh the next generation about really important social issues so i feel like it's really nice to see her um see both sides of her where the snl side where she can play a you know a a a, a mom in a rascal scooter with a Cajun accent and go from that to, um, you know, a really empowering cartoon character uh, for, for girls out there, Uh, you know, because things are better, but there's still a lot of heavy patriarchal influence in our society, in the great white world. And, um, and, and to see, like Ama, how you pointed out, like, hey, this is this is a female character who who's just as capable and competent and, as any male character, and here she is in charge in a leading role, like that is great to see, and it's great to see her take that on, and and just her and just to watch her take on, um, what's the word I'm looking for, hmm. ESL brain right now, but just to see her take on roles with meaning. Yeah. As someone who is like a huge fan of kids TV and what this show is contributing to that, but also like a literal lifelong fan of SNL, like it's the only thing I can think of that I've been doing for longer than 25 years. I'm 32. So there aren't a whole lot of things I've been doing that long. And one (laughs) of them has been watching Saturday Night Live. And 
when I think about the idea, especially the older I get, that it's a show that's not without its problems in a number of those types of areas, the choices that you make as a result of the fame that you get there matter. Mm -hmm. And I think that she's paid really close attention to that. So SNL sometimes isn't the most sensitive about how it treats its characters based on gender or sexuality or things like that. But when she gets to choose, she's choosing things that make a definitive statement. And I really, really like that. Oh my God. Okay. No, I, qu- I quit. That was just everything I wanted to say, but just better. I quit. <laughs> I quit. I just, let me just recede into the shed. <laughs> don't you, don't you dare. We need you. But it's no, it's true. It was, I, I, there's so few people who are on SNL as well that take on really important causes like that. Like I'm trying to think of other examples of people who make such a concerted effort to choose really important projects. And I'm, I'm sure there are people that I'm forgetting, but I think she's one of the the biggest ones right now. And she's not choosing stuff that's necessarily going to make her a superstar. She's choosing stuff that she cares about and makes a difference. And, and yeah, I do think SNL there's, there's, there are some problematic moments and there's some and historically there's a lot uh, and there's still stuff you know if mm-hmm. every time Alec Baldwin comes on screen I'm like come on dude why have we not canceled this guy yet but there's but to see her sort of counteracting that by like putting something really positive and good into the world was um it was really cool to see so big big 80 big 80 fan uh you know, Amma, anything else that you wanted to say on the subject of this show while we're here? Any any last pitch for anybody who isn't sold on watching it yet? Because I think they're all going to watch it after this. Yes. Um, I think it was fun to kind of see what other voices popped up in it. Um, mm. I always really enjoy that. So Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher show up. Um both really oh. great comics. Oh, I love yes. them both. Two, two wonderful comics who are also using their voices for really cool and important stuff. So them being involved with this was really cool. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who most people know from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, shows yeah. up. Oh, uh, gosh. Who else? Uh, Rosa from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, Stephanie yes. Beatrice. Beatrice yeah, like Stephanie Beatrice does a number of the characters. And she's been yes. really vocal about what being on the show has uh, been to her and what it's meant for like what it's been trying to represent. And I should also mention, because I don't think I've said it explicitly previously, Shadi Petoskey, who is the creator of it, is an openly trans woman and the first trans creator of a kids' TV show. Ooh, so I didn't know it's that. A, That's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's been a really big deal, mostly for those reasons, but I didn't think enough people were talking about, like, no, it's important because of its creator, and it's a really good show. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I that I mean, that adds a layer to it, uh, but it's... It is such a great show by its own merits, too. Um, and really I, cool. I love the fact that the color palette is so... It's just like a wide array of shades of people. And it's great to see because a lot of kids' shows um, tend to have like a homogenous-looking animated, albeit, cast. I mean, with the exception of SpongeBob because they're sea, <laughs> sea creatures. No, right. Sandy's definitely black, though. Um, Sandy is that's legit though and Sandy's we don't black. talk about that enough sandy is black that's the truth yes uh but it's nice to actually see like uh you know uh oh gosh what is my brain today but it's <laughs> it's really nice to see uh a whole bunch of different shades of peach and brown i i was thinking about that too a lot of times when you're watching cartoons it's like 
they specifically choose non-human colors to make it look like they're being inclusive. And so it'll be like purples and blues. But in this show, there was, it was brown and it was white and it was like different shades of that, but it was human colors. It was like, we are making, we want kids to see people that look like them, not people who look like, you know, Skeeter or something from Doug. Like we want to make sure that it looks like a person. Uh, And I thought that was a really small thing, but like a really cool choice. Like low key, was this show sponsored by Fenty Beauty Fifty Shades of Foundation? Because so <laughs> many. Sha- if they haven't approached them, I think it's it's a legitimate tie-in. I mean, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't. I would be not mad. be mad at all. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much for for bringing this to us, Ama. We really, this show obviously both really struck a chord with both of us. It was awesome. Right. While we have you here, anything uh, you're super excited about for Shrill? Have you read any of the book at all? Or are you just like huge A.D. Bryant fan ready to like, ready to see her shine in a leading lady role? So the book is on my list. I haven't read it yet, but I do love Lindy West and pretty much everything she writes. So I have no reason to believe that I won't also love Shrill. And I'm also super excited to hopefully catch the premiere at South by Southwest, which is right before it will premiere on Hulu. So I may have to elbow some people in some really long lines, but I am prepared for it and I'm open to the possibility. So jealous. Are they doing a, is anyone going to be there like from the cast at South by Southwest? Do you know? That I'm, that I'm not sure about, but I can I can poke around and see if I can find anything out. That would be very cool. I'm super jealous. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Ama. It was awesome to talk to you. We'll have to have you back at some point once uh, once the show is on. Do you want to tell people where you can where they can find you on the old internets? Find Ama. She's great. So if you too want to fall in love with me on Twitter, uh, my handle <laughs> is at amamarfo. And we'll have that in the notes somewhere so you know how to spell it. It's not always intuitive. Uh, Instagram, same handle. And amamarfo.com is the central home for all of the things I do. Uh, Writing, speaking, tiny bit of comedy, whole bunch of stuff. And it's all there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome to talk to you about this. And guys, we will be back next week to talk more A.D. Bryant, Lindy West, feminist shit and all that kind of all that kind of stuff you've come to love from the loud woman podcast we'll talk to you guys soon bye bye